It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's season number eight of our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook, alongside Kevin McNamara, and welcome to 2022. And the first impressions of the new year and new conference season are much the same as they are in any particular year. The Big East remains one of the premier conferences in college basketball. Through the 2021 portion of the current season, the Big East matched wits in the Gavit games with the Big Ten, the Big East Big 12 battle, and several high-profile games with premier programs from across the country. Kevin, I'm curious now, what has been old is new again, I guess. Teams are finding out the Big East is kind of the same as it ever was. Thick throughout, maybe more depth at the top, kind of like my haircut. What do you think? John, the good news is we're both follically blessed, so we don't have to worry (laughs) about that. But, But, you know, I think the Big East is blessed this year with some really good teams not only at the top, but also the middle and even towards the so-called bottom. Just look at some of the records against some of the premier conferences. Big East, eight and seven against the Big Ten, six and six against the Big 12, winning records against the SEC and the ACC. So certainly they've put themselves in excellent position in the non-conference. And now it's just how they navigate those 20 Big East games. Right. And of course, I think we all know that, uh, and we'll talk more about this coming up in a little bit, but that's probably going to be a kind of a start and stop situation. Most everybody's going to have to get used to this year. No, it it is. It's, you know, COVID has obviously been an unwelcome visitor to college basketball yet again this season. I think, I think these programs are dealing with it way, way better than they did a year ago, but I I do think that it's going to stick around certainly for the next month or so, probably into March. All right. Well, the first few weeks of this Conference regular season have been interrupted already with another round of COVID pauses for several teams, as has been the case for programs across the country, really. Thus far, it appears coaches, players, teams, even college administrators are willing to kind of fight through the difficulties. So here's hoping the play on the floor kind of overshadows the safety and health off of it. But this has added a completely different dimension, I think, have to coaching and coaching staffs around the country. It's a huge challenge for the coaching staffs and for the players. You know, you think about it every day, a player is wondering, am I going to test positive? Am I going to test negative? Uh, Just think of all the teams in the Big East that are off to really good starts. The last thing they want to do is to have to go and and fight through one of these COVID pauses. And quite a few of the teams have already had to deal with it. All right, let's fight through that and tip off with this week's Big East headlines. Villanova is the defending regular season champ and a preseason favorite to win the Big East again this season. And the Wildcats have scheduled rather judiciously thus far this year in taking on some of the college hoop heavyweights out there. Nevertheless, the Cats are emerging, as might have been expected, as a contender again behind preseason player of the year candidate Colin Gillespie, fifth-year senior Jermaine Samuels, and a coach who just this week won his 500th career game, Hall of Famer Jay Wright. Four Big East teams are ranked in the Associated Press and USA Today coaches' top 25 polls this week, with Providence leading the way at number 16. Villanova, Xavier, Seton Hall also ranking, with UConn and Creighton receiving votes. In the NCAA net rankings, eight of the 11 Big East teams are placed in the top 90 out of 358 Division I programs. 
COVID has certainly been an opponent no one has looked forward to facing again this season, with more than half of Big East teams dealing with pauses of their own or from their opponents. The Big East has changed its cancellation policy by a vote of league presidents last month and will attempt to reschedule as many league games as time and the schedule will allow over the next two months. On the schedule this week, Marquette and Seton Hall got their first Big East wins of the young season in a rather different way. The Golden Eagles have a remade roster under first-year head coach Shaka Smart and shocked previously unbeaten Providence by 32 points. It's their largest margin of victory against a ranked team in school history. Pirates have a deep and experienced roster. Got some help back this week with center Ike Obiago's return from COVID protocol after an 0-2 start in league play with a win over Butler. And Villanova also had a 54-point turnaround against Creighton, a 32-point win at home this week after a 20-point road loss last month. Kev, I don't know what that tells you, but what's your take on the early season play thus far in the conference? And might there be a possibility for an uneven number of games, do you think, to be played again this year with all the health and safety protocols that are in place? Well, I'll take the second half first, John. Yes, no question. For example, Georgetown has yet to play a Big East game as of, uh, well, this coming weekend. There, there will be teams that have to play three games in a week, maybe multiple weeks this year. That's a big challenge for any team. Yeah. Uh, as far as the league as a whole, you know, we, we've seen a small sample, but there's an awful lot of incompletes. Connecticut, I think, is clearly a top 20, 25 team. They've had to go through a pause. Even Coach Deanne Hurley contracted the virus. Xavier, I, I think Xavier and Seton Hall are both potential top 10, top 15 teams. They've also lost games Due to COVID, when they are on the floor, those are two very impressive teams. All right. Thank you to our Westwood One affiliate stations for being with us again this season. Thanks for catching us on Sirius XM if you're there. And if you listen to your favorite podcast on your favorite sites, don't forget, you can subscribe, rate, give us a review. Thank you to all of our podcast partners. We've got Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and Podfriend. For more on the podcast, you can always visit our website online at www.twitby.buzzsprout.com. And you can always listen online as well at westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. All right, inside episode one, season eight this week. COVID has been in the starting lineup for many teams around the country and throughout the conference, including the Big East, of course. Learning how to play on through health and safety protocol issues, that's a new challenge for everyone, including the contenders. Xavier coach Travis Steele tells us his story coming up. Speaking of stories, the Big East has so many good ones to tell over the past 40-plus years. Well, we have someone who's chronicled a lot of those tales, author and sports writer Dana O'Neill. She'll give us a few. And from a team that has certainly benefited from added experience on its roster, thanks to the current college rules, Providence grad transfer Justin Manaya will join us with the story on the Friars' start. All of that next. This Week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Manaya outside the free throw line right, finds Reeves, turns, gives it back to Justin. He's going to go for a three from the right corner and hit. With a second left on the clock. Two for two from three-point range. Wildcats down eight, 642 on the first half clock as Durham drives left. There's a shovel pass to Manaya, who banks it up with the left hand and scores again. Very good job by Durham to push that ball inside. Perfect pass into Manaya. 
Welcome back to this week in the Big East. You know, college athletics have changed, hopefully for the better, in terms of athletic opportunity. With a transfer portal now firmly a part of college basketball, and with student athletes getting more freedom to learn and extend that learning, both in length and in place, teams are just getting older. And maybe they're even getting better. Providence has an experienced team for Ed Cooley this season, one that has surprised a few around the Big East, and graduate transfer forward Justin Manaya is playing a large part in the Friars' transformation. He joins us this week in the Big East. Justin, when you decided to move on with your career, what was it about Providence that got you thinking, hey, that's the right place for me right now? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for me was uh, just the relationship that I built with Coach Cooley. Um, I, I kind of saw all the pieces that were here already, and I thought that I could be really, I could fit really well with everybody. And I really saw, I really thought we could be a, a really successful team, especially in uh, help my career as well. Justin, after four years at South Carolina, a different part of the world, different, different kind of flow of that conference, the SEC. Uh, did you think, geez, I'm going to look in the Big East automatically, or again, was it Providence that stuck out to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, be, I'm originally from Jersey. Um, so I went down south for four years at Carolina, and uh, I kind of, I kind of did miss being being up north and kind of the home. So that did a little part of my decision, where being only about like a three hour drive from from Jersey, um, it gives my family the opportunity to come watch me play. It gives me the opportunity to to drive home sometimes, and and yeah, so I think I think that that kind of helped my helped my decision too. Um, but yeah, that's why it was just really a perfect fit for me. You know, I detect just a slight little Southern lilt in that uh, <laughs> accent of yours, Justin. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. Was it the, the, the grits and shrimp over the last few years or what was it that turned yeah. a Jersey boy into a little Southern flavor? Kind of pick up some of the lingo from them. So, <laughs> Listen, first and foremost, your game is certainly, uh, I think, extended uh, to where you become a, a critical part of this Providence team. And Providence might have snuck up on a few people. They were preseason pick for seventh in this league. And then you've had some great out-of-conference wins as well this year. You got off to a 3-0 and start in league play. What do you feel like is the best trait of this Friar team that you're a part of right now is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think the best trait is just kind of how we play together. I mean, it's not like we have this. So, I mean, it really could be. It can be any guy on our team that can really step up and make and, and have a huge game for us. Um, and the fact that we have so many different pieces, um, I think I think it makes it really hard to scout us because I mean, at, at any night, any guy could, could, could be that guy that 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 um, helps the team. Hey, Justin, I'm curious when you get to Providence last summer, meet your new teammates, play some pickup. Uh, was it then where you realized that this team had a chance? to be pretty good or, or did you have to see an action, maybe an early season victory or two that the Friars registered? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, honestly, when I, when I first got on campus, I was like, like playing pickup and one of our first few summer workouts, I mean, I could kind of feel the, the talent that we, that we kind of had just through workouts and, and the way guys were making shots and, and you kind you kind of feel how good of a, good of a team. Cause I've been in college for four years. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I had a good little feeling on, on, um, on how good 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 the players are but I think I mean I didn't I wasn't sure how great we we're going to be but I mean I had a feeling that we we're going to be a, a solid team. Justin Manaya, Providence forward joining us here this week in the Big East along those same lines how do you feel the experience on this team has really helped you guys get to where you want to go maybe a little bit faster clearly you like the fact that you now have a little bit more freedom of movement to choose where you need to go uh-huh. do you see this sticking around for a while yeah yeah um I, I definitely do um I definitely do I feel I feel like it, it's been it's just been really great and I think that um just just having having that older group um and as a whole we feel like we we've experienced a lot 
Um, just being being guys that have been in college for four or five years, uh, we've seen we've seen a, we've seen a whole lot of things, played a whole lot of games. So I mean, it, it's it's easy. It's kind of easier to stay balanced and stay even keeled when you have that. Hey John, you and I have been around the Big East block for too many years, but this is Justin's you know first trip through, and his very first Big East game was at UConn, sold right. out <laughs> uh, sold out XL Center. Uh, end up ended up being a fifty seven fifty three. Providence victory. Uh, Justin, I'm curious what you're thinking when you get back in the bus, the ride back to Rhode Island after an, an experience like that. Yeah, no, it, felt, it felt great. It was great. I mean, it was, it was great to get off to a great start uh, in the Big East. And obviously, UConn has a great team this year. And and that uh, that, that environment was a really great environment to be in. Um, it was definitely definitely one of, the, one of the best that I've been in. Um, and just, just having having that, that sold out arena and to be able to come out with a victory, it, it, was, it was a great experience. Justin, it seems like uh, you know you've been inserted into the Friar lineup largely as a defensive stop, and I say that only because I know you started out as a baseball player. For those that don't know, your dad, <laughs> Omar Manai, was a former general manager of the New York Mets. You started as a baseball player. How has that mm-hmm. helped you become a better defender as a basketball player? Yeah, uh, I mean, I I would just say just uh, growing up, growing up as a kid, and and being a part with, with the Mets and seeing the seeing how guys prepare. Um, I, I would say that, and I, and being seeing how how a team really is. So how can how can I help the team best? And um, I feel like once I got to college, um, being at Carolina, I I learned how, I learned how to really guard, and then I kind of just carried that with me to be kind of uh to really lock in on being trying to be one of the best defenders in the Big East. Yeah, based on what you've seen so far this year, though, do you feel like defense is what can carry you guys to the end? Uh, you you just can't ignore the offense, though, can you? Yeah, no, it's definitely um yeah. Definitely not. Um, I think that I think our, our defense has, has helped us all year, um, and I, I definitely think it makes our team so great because I feel like we can play on both sides of the ball. That's Providence graduate senior forward Justin Manaya. Next up, who's hot? Get to know these names and these numbers. It's coming up next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East? Who's hot? <laughs> As you know what, I can get this anytime. Let's run some stuff. Put a little bit more pressure on this defense, and there you go. Right to the hole and a chance at a three-point play for Samuels. Fires with the ball, out front with it, driving with it is Reeves. Reeves goes to the hoop, scores! How about AJ? Not settling for the outside shot, getting to the basket. Nice move right there. Coach Cooley running a nice job of getting him around the screen there. He can finish at the rim. AJ's got some great leaping ability. Got his man in the air, shot up, good at the foul! Justin Moore with a big opportunity at a three-point play with 2.07 to go. The game's leading scorer may have just given Villanova the breathing room they need. Whaley got it back and he banked it in. And UConn has the lead 27-26. And there's no time left. Whaley got it off the board and in. Just beating the buzzer. And UConn has the lead 27-26. Buying him crossing over, gets around Harris, alley-oop, Watson scores! What a catch by Watson, I mean that was a tough pass there, he was able to corral it and tip it in, couldn't dunk it, but he knocks it in anyway. Nine for Nate, Friars on a 13-0 run, they lead by 10, coming up in two minutes to play in the half. Fremantle skies above the rim for the rebound for the Musketeers, and transition to Kunkel, drives a lane, throws it off the glass, falls through for two as Kunkel tumbles to the floor, Xavier on top by one. 
to Champagny. Three-point shot left side is good again. Julian Champagny. And St. John's takes the lead, 53-51 with that three-point conversion. 17 wow. points for Julian Champagny. Hesitates, spins at the free throw line, works down left, and there is Bynum again with another steal. Picked his pocket clean. Bynum now comes over to the top, works to the left, heads to the rim. With a right hand from the left side, he puts it in. Nice move by Bynum. Great defense on the other end to strip Gaffney, and then he beats him to the basket. Wow. Gets the layup. Good move. Gillespie. Slashing towards the goal, goes up. Can he get it to go? Yes, he does. And he draws contact. And one opportunity. The lead's grown to 17 for the Cats. You don't think of Gillespie as someone with a big body, but you know, he threw his body and took the con- absorbed the contact, laid the ball in the basket. Cats up by 17 now. Gets it off to Gillespie. Long three. It's good from the right well, wing. He shot that kind of stepped into shot it with a lot of confidence. Big basket for Gillespie and the Wildcats. Welcome back again to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Player of the Week in the Big East for this week is a familiar name, Kev. Colin Gillespie led the Wildcats of Villanova to a couple of wins against ranked teams. A team high 21 points and four rebounds in a win at then 15th ranked Seton Hall. We said earlier, it's what is old is new again. And I think that's the case this season, especially for Gillespie and the Wildcats. Colin Gillespie, is he the Villanova player who played with Eddie Pickney and John (laughs) Pannone and... I mean, Stuart like Granger. He must have a dormitory named after him at some point, doesn't he, John? I mean, he's a super senior in every sense of the world, a super player, a super leader, and certainly someone who's going to lead Villanova to many more wins between now and who knows how, how far the Wildcats go in March and April. Yeah, I kind of like that term, super senior as well. All right, so I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but Seamus Lukosius of Butler a key contributor in Butler's 63-59 to win against DePaul on the 29th of December, had 13 points in the first half, helped the Bulldogs build a big lead. So here's one of these young players in the league you may not have heard about yet, but you ought to start paying attention to, right? You know, John, from Vilnius, Lithuania, I know that's a hotbed of basketball. A lot of uh, big-time NBA players have come from Vilnius. And you think about freshmen. This year with so many transfers and the quote super seniors those fifth year guys there's much less of a chance for a freshman to make an impact so we'll see if this young man can continue to do so at butler right on the honor roll this week again we've got a lot of names that may be familiar to you a couple of them from yukon tyrese martin senior transfer as well from the university of rhode island but he had a career high 25 points and had six rebounds and a win at marquette and then rj cole who's kind of the the straw that stirs the drink for the huskies 20 points and seven assists in that win over Marquette as well. So if UConn's going to be a factor, they're also coming off a pause. Those two guys have to make them go. Those are two really good players. Uh, Always like to see RJ Cole and Tyrese play. I think the combination of the two of them is as dangerous as any combination in in this conference. Here's a guy that's an up-and-comer, Ryan Kalkbrenner from Creighton on the honor roll this week. Had his first career double-double with 20 points and 12 rebounds in a double-overtime win at Marquette. Kalkbrenner looked like he's going to be a force inside here for the Blue Jays. Clearly one of the more improved players in the league. It's funny, when you see those tall, thin guys come in as freshmen in the Big East, you say, he's got a long way to go. He's really going to bulk up. And that's exactly what Ryan Kalkbrenner has done in the last 12 months. He looks like a different player inside for Creighton. Noah Horkler's benefited, I think, from playing last year at Providence after transferring uh, from North Florida. He averaged a double-double this past week to get on the honor roll, 14 points, 10.5 rebounds. Teams are starting to key on him now. It's going to be important for him to figure out a way to make the Friars better thereafter. 
Well, that combination of Noah Hawkler, Nate Watson, and our previous guest, Justin Manaya, uh, Ed Cooley is going to war with some really good players. And then Justin Moore, Villanova. Here's a guy, again, that's a part of a real success story uh, on the main line. 15 points and four rebounds and a couple of wins, uh, especially 17 in a win over Xavier. Justin's one of the better scorers in the league by far. And, you know, Villanova is an interesting team. They've played, I think, the toughest schedule of anybody in the league. If they can get Eric Dixon and Brandon Slater to step in up front and step up up front, then you have Gillespie and Justin Moore behind those two, and then you'll have Villanova back in the top 10. Kev, I'm going to bring up one more name that didn't make player of the week or make the honor roll, but had a player of the year kind of night earlier this week on Wednesday. Julian Champagny, preseason first team, all Big East uh, on a home win for St. John's, also coming off of a pause, 34 points, 16 rebounds, and three blocks. I think he made a statement. 34, 16, and three. Yes. My guess is on next week's show, John, he could be the player of the week. And yeah. I think he has a good chance to be the player player of the year in the Big East. He's that impactful a player for St. John's. This season, our Big East blast from the past will feature great moments at Madison Square Garden, which in March will celebrate its 40th year hosting the Big East tournament. Now, if you need a history refresher, the first three seasons of conference play had the postseason tournament held in Providence in 1980, then Syracuse in 81, and Hartford in 82, before finding the forever home in Manhattan in 83. Dave Gavitt was responsible for the event moving to Midtown, and it was a decision that forever changed how we look at postseason basketball, from the entertainment value to the economic benefit. That first garden moment in 83 had Boston College as the number one seed in a three-way tie for first that year with St. John's of Villanova out of the nine teams taking part. But it was Chris Mullen and St. John's as the three seed that wound up victorious in the finals with an 85-77 triumph. Number 20. At guard, six feet six, a sophomore from Brooklyn, New York, Chris Mullen. Here's Mullen. Yes. Oh, Mullen. Mullen wide open. Nice pass, Brooklyn for Mullen. Yes, and it counts. Nice exchange, Mullen from Kelly on the break, and St. John's has opened up an eight-point lead. has defeated Boston College 85 to 77. Winners of the Big East Championship here at the Garden, the Redmen of St. John's. This is Marv Albert along with Bucky Waters saying so long from New York. That's Marv Albert and Bucky Waters on the call. Kev, how about these names? His blasts from the past. That first Garden All-Tourney team. Uh, Leo Routon, Syracuse. Billy Goodwin, St. John's. John Garris and Jay Murphy from Boston College and Villanova's Stuart Granger. And then the all-Big East first team in the regular season, get this now, Mullen, Ewing, Pinckney, John Pannone, and Eric Sandifer. Pretty good lineups right there. Really good. For, for example, John Garris and Leo Routens, I believe, were first-round NBA picks, and they're not on the first all-league team. That's how deep the conference was. And how about Marv Albert and Bucky Waters? I grew up in the Northeast, John. Th those guys, when they did the game of the week in the 1970s, they brought college basketball into my house. And then to see them continue and be the voices, some of the premier voices of the initial years of the Big East, th those are great times and great memories. And by the way, happy 97th birthday this week to a Big East original, former St. John's coach, 
Louis Carnesecca. I'll bet we can find him a sweater he'd like, huh? Uh, contenders and pretenders this year in Big East race this year, they're going to be sorting themselves out over the next few weeks. But, you know, if you're looking for a solid bet in the mix, you may need to look no further than Cincinnati, Ohio, and Xavier's Musketeers. X not only marks the spot with a shot at the top this year, they might just beat everyone else to it. Head coach Travis Steele, locked and loaded for the nights ahead, and he joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. Paul Scruggs with it, fakes, top of the key. Shot clock down to two. Game shot. Oh. Shots on the way. And it's good by Colby yeah. Jones. Xavier leads 74-73 with .1 second to play. Ice in his veins. Welcome back to this week of the Big East. One of those beasts in the Big East, Xavier, has shown flashes of what was expected of them before the year began. Balance, explosiveness, athleticism, and experience, all playing a part in the Musketeers' start to this season. We've got a top 25 national ranking to go along. Head coach Travis Steele joins us this week of the Big East. Coach, when you throw COVID protocols and medical safety into the mix of simply trying to be a good team, I'm going to guess no one told you this was a part of your job description. They did not. They forgot to mention that, John. Uh, it, it's a, uh, it can be frustrating at times. We haven't played for a while. Um, we've been practicing every day, though, which has been good. And so it's, it, the protocols are a lot different this year than they were last year. Uh, so it makes it a little bit easier. But, but at the same time, we need to be able to play games and get as many games in as we can. Hey, uh, Travis, we had you on first uh for the first show of the season for many reasons. Number one, you have a good team. Number two, you haven't played a game in almost two weeks. How difficult is that around the, around the holidays? I imagine your players went home for Christmas and then you had some cancellations and now you're getting ready to play a really good Butler team uh, this weekend. How difficult has it, has it been to keep your team focused and ready to play? You know, it's, it's had its challenges, Kevin. We thought we were going to play UConn on the 28th and it's like, man, I wish we would have left our guys home a couple extra days, right? You know, and, and uh, over the holidays, but it is what it is. You know, I, I told our guys, listen, it's out of our control. We have to continue to focus on getting better every single day. Um, focus on the things you can control. And because uh, COVID's obviously out of our hands. Then we lost the Georgetown game. I think initially, Kevin, we lost the UConn game and the Georgetown game within a matter of like 12 hours. And they were like, wow, is this happening again? like it did last year. And, and uh, I thought I thought for a couple of days we struggled a little bit. And then I thought, well, you know, our, our leadership with Paul Scruggs and, and Jack Nungie and Nate Johnson and those guys, Zach Fremantle, really kind of helped spearhead. And, and we've had a couple a week, a really good week of practice here leading up to Butler. You lead into something that I really wanted to ask you about, Travis, because with all the disappointments and the whole, wow, we're going through this again aspect – how important have your senior leaders body on an even keel and keep everybody pointed on the future? Because clearly everybody wants to play, but at the same time, everybody wants to play safely. Yeah, it's, it's critically important. You know, listen, I always say player led teams are, are a lot better than coach led teams. Yeah. And when you got a senior guy like Paul Scruggs, who's been here for a really long time um, in that locker room, um, his voice booms. It's very loud. And our guy has listened. Same thing with Jack and Nate and Zach and all those guys, you know. So we do have an older team. But disappointing, that's natural, right? That's that's you're you're a human being. Um, you can be down for a little bit, but you, you got to bounce back very quickly. And uh, because again, I know this Butler's not going to feel sorry for us at all that we haven't played in a few weeks. Hey Travis, when when we spoke at uh, Big East Media Day at Madison Square Garden, Zach Fremantle was there and he was in a boot 
uh, miss the first chunk of your season, including your only loss to date against Iowa State. How is Zach? And uh, if you can just speak to his improvement, because I think we all know as Big East people that he's one of the better players in the conference. Yeah, Zach's a tremendous player. You know, he didn't do anything, Kevin, for about four months. You know, didn't touch a basketball, couldn't do anything. So he's been knocking off that rust, getting him into shape as well. And then obviously, you know, when you miss all that practice time, you you you, you lose a lot of your habits. And uh, you know, Zach's getting it back. And we're trying to figure out how to play him and him and Jack Nunji together. Listen, Jack has been uh, been really good for us, and he gives us a physical presence inside. So Zach's playing a different position. I think he's as he gets his rhythm and he knocks that rust off. I think you'll see that he is again. He's that first team All Big East level player that we know he is, and and uh, and that's what gives our team a lot of upside, in my opinion. Kevin is he's been out, we've had some success, but then you're adding a guy like Zach back into the fold um, on both ends of the ball, man. I think he could he could really improve our team. Xavier head coach Travis Steele joining us this week in the Big East. you got a guy like Paul Scruggs who seems like he's been there forever. But with his talent, his ability to defend, his ability to lead, his ability to shoot, do you have to rely on him to be the guy for you? Or is Scruggs really sort of trying to develop into more of a, I don't know, a facilitator for you this year? You know, Paul can do everything. And you said it, John. Like he, he impacts the game in a lot of different ways. Rebounding, his toughness, his defense, his ball handling. He can make plays for others. He can obviously score the ball. Um, our team that our few attempts, our points per game, uh, we have a lot of different guys who can score. And I think that we went through a six game stretch where we had a different leading scorer every single game. Mm -hmm. And, and Paul understands that, you know, we have a lot of offensive firepower. So, um, you know, there's going to be games where he's going to have 28. There's going to be a game where he may have eight assists, nine assists and only 10 points. And he's fine with that. He's all about winning whatever it takes to win and that he has that mindset that just permeates throughout the rest of the team. Travis, I know the big East coaches are big East uh, fans and you watch an awful lot of your opposing teams throughout the non-conference. Now that you've had time to watch some conference games and not have to play, do you find yourself watching even more? And what do you think of the uh, other 10 big East ball clubs? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've been able to watch a lot. Um, I, I would tell you, I think the Big East is the best conference in the country. I think, obviously, we dominated the uh, – we, we've done really well on our challenges, the Big East Big 12. We've had a very good non-conference. But I think this is the best the Big East has been since I think we joined the league, since Xavier. And, you know, it, it's deep. I mean, I, I mean, it's like, man, everybody's good. Providence is having a heck of a year. UConn's really good. Seton Hall, man, they're they're – they're outstanding. Villanova is obviously very good. I think Butler's really good now that they're healthy. Um, the Pauls, but Tony Subfield's done a great job with them. Marquette, we played them. That was our first Big East game. I mean, their shock is doing there. Creighton, McDermott's been a surprise. I mean, you can go on and on, right? Right. You can go throughout every single team in our league. I, I just think every team's good. And it's just going to make it an absolute war because there's, you know, we play everybody twice and home and away, which is awesome. And uh it just leads to uh like I said, I think it's the best conference in the entire country. 
part of what I think makes the Big East as, as good as it apparently is going to be this year, Coach, is the fact that it's just experienced. And, you know, you have a couple of examples and guys like Nunji and, and Nate Johnson as well transfer and in some cases graduate students uh, from other programs. So can you uh, talk about that role for just a moment about how the older player is coming in and really not only changing the face of the Big East, but changing, I think, the face of college basketball? Is this good or bad, do you think, overall for the sport? Yeah, you know, you, you got to get old and stay old. And, and you know, the transfer portal is going to forever change our industry, right? Um you know, it, it, it's hard for freshmen to come in and, and really impact. It's difficult. The level of accountability, the coaching is so good in our league. It's so good. And they just pick on guys. And, and, and they know through all the film and scouting that's out there and analytical data, you know, who to go at. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, when you, get, when, when you can get guys like Jack Nungy was really well coached at Iowa, really well coached. Jerome Hunter was really well coached at Indiana by Archie Miller. You know, Nate Johnson was really well coached. So you, you get those guys that have all those practices and game experience. You still got to recruit freshmen, right? You still got to recruit high schools. That's almost like your draft. And then you got the free agency, so to speak, uh, with the transfer portal. So it's it's important to do both, but it has forever changed uh, college basketball. Thanks again to Xavier head coach Travis Steele for joining us. Hey, you a fan of the history within the Big East? Storied teams, players, traditions. They've extended into a fifth decade now. And as the league celebrates its 40th anniversary at Madison Square Garden for the Big East Tournament in March, someone who has seen it all, or at least most of it, Dana O'Neill, she'll join us to talk about it next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. Gets it off to Gillespie. Long three. It's good from the right wing. Well, he shot that kind of stepped into shot with a lot of confidence. Big basket for Gillespie and the Wildcats. Welcome back again to This Week in the Big East. Dana O'Neill is a senior writer for The Athletic. She's worked for more than 25 years as a sports writer, covering the Final Four, Super Bowl, World Series, NBA Finals, NHL, oh yeah, and the Big East. Dana's worked previously in Philadelphia. She's worked for ESPN. She's the author of three books, including The Big East, Inside the Most Entertaining and Influential Conference in College Basketball History, which is available now online and in bookstores. Dana joins us this week in The Big East, and Dana, we're all familiar, I think, with the term labor of love, but I'm wondering what was the part about putting this history together that was most enjoyable for you? You know what? I think, um, as you guys know well, the stories in The Big East are I mean, you know, you pick up the phone and you call Mike Trangisi, you pick up the phone and you call before he passed John Thompson, you sit down with Luke Karnaseka and they can just spin a great yarn. Like it, it was just so fun to just kind of be asking a few questions and letting them go. I think I asked Jim Calhoun one question and, you know, Jim, he talked for like 25 minutes uninterrupted um, and all of the great stuff. So that to me was the most fun, just letting these people just go backwards and tell me what happened. And Dana, I'm going to go right to the title. Why do you think that that period of time and the majority of your book was about the formation of the league and, and the 1980s? Why was that the most influential conference at the time and have uh, everlasting influence? Yeah, I think for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think the Big East and, and Dave Gavitt mostly was so 
forward thinking and the way they did things. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard now to go backwards and remember that this was before television was a big deal. And but Dave Gavitt saw the importance of getting on TV and he understood sticking the tournament in New York and what that would do to its legitimacy. Um, and then, you know, really it boils down to as these things usually do with the quality of the games. I mean, the Big East captured lightning in the bottle in that Patrick Ewing, you know, Chris Mullen, Pearl Washington were all coming of age as the league was, and they all chose to stay home and play in the Big East. And that just impacted the league in such a way people wanted to watch it. You know, Mike Hopkins, a former associate coach at Syracuse, pedaling home on his bike because he didn't want to miss big Monday games. Like <laughs> before the Big East, people didn't do that. It was a really, you were kind of true to your region. You didn't kind of look outside your own world to find a college basketball team. And all of a sudden in the big East, everybody was paying attention. You know, Georgetown became a national program. So to me, the, all of that, you know, just made it such a big deal. Well, we, I think we, what we noticed about all of this is that the foresight that Dave Gavin had, which is why I'm glad you mentioned him. I'm wondering if, if, if you could find out through your conversations with those that were involved at the time, I'm wondering if maybe anybody else saw what Dave saw and what their, I don't know what their fascination with the entire process was, because it's really been a unique uh, relationship. Everybody roots for everybody when you're playing yeah. on the outside, but when it comes to playing inside and family squabbles, man, do guys beat up on each other. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've, the interesting thing was when he went to the administrators you know, they obviously, from a business standpoint, if you will, understood what aligning themselves together could do for their individual schools. But the coaches were really reluctant. They had it going pretty well in the ECAC. They were making their own schedules. They were winning. Why bother? But because they trusted Dave, they did it. But what I thought was really important was once they signed on the dotted line, if you will, and Dave said, look, like you said, you guys can kill one another behind closed doors, but they all fell in line with that. They understood that. They understood the importance that if Seton Hall is doing good, it's better for all of us. If Georgetown is out in the final four, it helps all of us. You don't see that, of course, much anymore, or at least not as much. And the fact that he got them to all see things that way was really extraordinary because you had some big personalities, needless to say, and they all understood the greater good was better, you know, more important than their own individual success, which, man, that's that's hard to imagine. So, Dana, unfair question. Your, your book is filled with anecdotes that basketball fans are really going to enjoy. Is there one that sticks out the most in your recollection? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, you know, uh, getting John Thompson and Luke Karn a second to kind of go back and forth and tell the story of the sweater game, you know, John talking about sort of in his impish way about how he kind of plotted to go buy a t-shirt and to kind of, you know, show Louie up and how Louie was so flabbergasted, broke him up. I mean, and how he plotted his revenge by tying a bunch of towels together and throwing him over his, his shoulder, like, you know, the wedding train. I mean, that was just to me, hilarious. Um, the one that just, still kills me to this day is Mike Trangisi telling me the story about how after the Michael Graham punch between Syracuse and Georgetown, how Jim Beheim was so incensed when Mike went to go see him post game in the locker room that, you know, Jim was kind of flailing about with his body and head, but Mike Gisi, he drew blood and Mike just kind of turned around and walked out of the locker room. Like what in the world? <laughs> and I love that Beheim still is like, no, I didn't do that. 
Like, right, right. it happens. <laughs> oh, that's 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 awesome. All right. Well, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you a little bit about the sure. current, uh, uh, you know, play in the Big East Conference. Are you uh, among those that feel like the Big East is playing as well as anybody in the country? If there is a an Achilles heel with this league, where is it? Hundred percent. I I really do think. You know, I talked to Greg McDermott last night. For he made the point that I think is so valid that. Look, it's always easy to talk about leagues that are good because the top of the league is really good and, oh, you know, that, you know, they're carrying us. But the difference with the league, the, the Big East this year is the middle and even even down to the bottom, frankly, is really tough. I mean, what I watched that Marquette Providence game last night, like what in the world just happened? Uh, but look, I mean, Shaka Smart's got Marquette playing really hard and they were desperate. For, I think that's the difference between a good league and a great when top teams are so good, they kind of improve the perception of the entire league. It's when the whole league top to bottom is the depth of it is really good. I and mean, when you got Seton Hall sitting down wherever they are, like fifth or sixth in the league. And I, th- I think Seton Hall is fantastic. That's a really good conference. Dana, last one for me, uh, you see Villanova more than anybody else. Uh, they don't, they re- it looks to me like they really miss uh, Robinson Earl. Obviously, yep. an NBA player, really good player. What's the upside of this Villanova team? Brian Antoine, who was has been injured forever, uh, able to play, getting some of the freshmen who Jay just frankly hasn't had enough faith in yet to put them in there. I mean, if they can get to the point where they can play valuable minutes, I think this team can be really good. Because right now, their, their biggest issue, if you will, is depth. You know, when Colin Gillespie has to go to the – bench as he did the other night with foul trouble, the whole dynamic of the team understandably changes. And there aren't a lot of options just, you know, kind of trying to still find their way under to get Jay's trust. I think they can get really good. Um, I'm not saying those guys are going to play like 25 minutes a game, but if he can get them to be reliable for 10 to 15 minutes a game, 12 minutes a game, I think you're onto something, but you know, this, this team of course is all about Gillespie. I get all that and Jermaine Samuels, but I think the key to this team still remains Eric Dixon. They need, they need some, some oomph inside and he's the only guy that can provide it. Thanks Dana. Dana O'Neill, big East writer and author from the athletic. Who's got next? I know, I know we just got started, but a sneak peek at the big games coming up. Well, that's coming up next this week in the big East. Coming up, who's got next this week in the Big East? Who's got next this week in the Big East? Foul line, drive inside, duck under. A lot of contact, but Sonogo off the miss puts it back up and in. And UConn's bigs are doing the job tonight, 33-26. And Kevin Willer's got to call a timeout. John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. Let's take a look at the upcoming schedule. First of all, for Saturday afternoon... UConn at Seton Hall. Huskies coming off COVID protocol. Seton Hall trying to get into the mix, uh, Kevin, and largely start applying some of their influence to this conference race. Oh, this is killing me. I, I, I am happily going to be at the St. John's Providence game. They tip at noon. Also, at the exact same time, one of the best games of the year. UConn at Seton Hall. We always know that Dan Hurley will have his ready, his team ready to come back to his native New Jersey and Newark. And both teams, hopefully, at full strength. All right. There's a game coming up on Tuesday night as well that should be interesting amongst early league leaders, Providence on the road in Omaha to take on the Creighton Blue Jays. Providence has been very good on the road this year. Wins at Connecticut, wins at, at uh, Wisconsin, DePaul, 
Obviously, last road game, got bopped by Marquette. We'll see if the Friars are ready to bounce back and be road warriors again in Omaha. How about a big one on the road on Wednesday? Villanova gets to go to Xavier in a 6.30 Eastern time start on FS1. You know, John, if Xavier had not had the pause and had kept playing games, they easily could be a top 15, maybe even top 10 team right now. Certainly beating Villanova at home on Wednesday will help them big time. And a doubleheader on Thursday next week, but Butler plays at Georgetown as the Hoyas try to get back in gear after a COVID layoff of their own. You know, Georgetown's an interesting team. The defending Big East tournament champs lost an awful lot. They're very young in a team that's fi- in a league that's filled with veteran teams. So certainly a big-time challenge for Patrick Ewing's guys. And a shout-out here for head coach Ed Cooley of Providence. He goes after career win number 300 uh, today, actually, against St. John's this Saturday, this weekend. Our thanks to Friar forward Justin Manaya. Travis Steele and Xavier, Dana O'Neill of The Athletic for joining us this week. Uh, thanks to our flagship radio stations for their broadcast and highlight assistance. Thanks to our producer, Kevin Collins, executive producers, John Paquette and Rick Gentile, along with Kevin Ivany of the Big East for all of their help. And thanks to the coaches and administrators at all 11 member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. You can find us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster, at Kevin McNamara 33. And send us your questions using the hashtag TWITBE. Twit me. Hope you're ready for a fantastic season. Stay safe out there. We'll be here again same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.